Welcome to the Australian Athletic Podcast. My name's Daniel. I'll be hosting today, and we've got a very special guest. We have Mickey in today, uh, the founder of AAC. How are you, Mickey? I'm good. It feels a little bit strange to be on the other side of my own podcast. Yeah, I imagine so. A little bit of role reversal, but... Uh, a little bit. Welcome, and I thought it was about time we asked you some questions instead of you doing all the question-asking for once. You did prompt me about a week ago after Victor's, Victor's podcast, and you just said to me, I think I want to ask you a few questions, and I was like, okay, what does he want to know? Is he trying to get some information out of me, or... <laughs> oh, well, we'll find out after we're done, right? All right, let's get into it. So, before we get into anything about the AAC, uh, can you just tell us a bit about yourself, if you played sport as a kid, family, you're growing up, schooling, that sort of stuff, just a bit of background. Yep. So, the first sport that I played was soccer, and it's just what, I guess, every ethnic kid does when they grow up. That's the first sport that they're introduced to. And I played goalkeeper up until about under 13s. Yeah. And although I enjoyed it, it wasn't something that I was that passionate about. I love football as a sport, but not necessarily playing it. So it happened to be just luck of the draw where I was moving into high school at Paralaui. And the high school coordinator also happened to be the state volleyball coach. So he had been running the volleyball program from Paralaui for the last three to four years, if I remember correctly, prior to me actually starting. And I just picked it up from there. It was going to year eight, do it during school, do it during recess and lunch, do it after school for trainings. And it's something that I picked up and I just really fell in love with. Gee, so you never played before you started at Paralaui? I would say I probably played in year seven, a one beach volleyball knockout tournament. And that's when I was like, all right, this ain't too bad. Let's uh, try it out the following year and just, Loved it from the very get-go. Stuck with it, yeah. I guess it was the fact that I didn't have to run as much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan of running, if anyone can tell. I just used a little bit of height, some ridiculously long arms to my advantage, and I'm like, all right, this is the sport for me. Yeah. And how long did you play volleyball for? So I would have played for about five years, so pretty much my whole high school, or over high school. So yeah, from year eight to year 12. Yeah. The first year... I can honestly say I was probably the worst player on the team. It was just that lanky, young, tall individual that had no coordination about themselves. But I still loved it. I still stuck with it. I was frustrated myself. I always wanted to be better. And then eventually things start to click together. Once you hit that 15, 16 mark, those tall, lanky individuals with no coordination pick up just a little bit more coordination. Yeah. And all of a sudden, they use their height to that advantage. And that's pretty much how I took it on. I went from, like I said, being the worst player the first year to getting right up there in the top two or three players in the team the following couple of years. Yeah, right. Didn't didn't expect to hear that one. I didn't know you played volleyball, so yep. there you go. It was the sp- it was not necessarily what got me through high school, but it was something that I look forward to. It was always the end of year trip to Melbourne where you go for a week and you play against other schools across the country. It's train throughout the whole year. Make sure you keep your grades up so that the teachers will still let you go at the end of the year trip. Yeah. And you get a week in Melbourne to play two, three games of volleyball a day, chill out with mates. And I can happily say that that group of five, six, seven individuals that went pretty much there every year, I still hang out with them. I still speak to them to this day. And what's 10 years later, and I still consider them some of my best mates. We catch up and... <laughs> It's like we never left. It's like we're still at, in Melbourne, just playing volleyball, just hanging out, and you build those lifelong relationships playing that sport. The sport was fantastic. Don't get me wrong, and I played and I loved it every single minute of playing. But the relationships that you developed throughout that were 
but you can't replicate that. Yeah, especially in a bit of a smaller team, you tend to be a bit more tight knit. Well, it was we took maximum about three teams per year. I think it yeah. crept up to a four or five at the height of what we did. Where you look at schools like around the state or around the country, like Brighton Heaver, probably the two biggest in the country, they were taking in excess of 30 teams. Volleyball was what Jeez. their school did. Yeah, right. We were just fortunate enough to have the, like I said, under 19 state coach at the time, and he developed that program from the ground up. Yeah. And he made it possible for us to actually go over there, and we actually came out with a few good players, some of them representing state and some of them going as far as they can. But it also brought a lot of success to a relatively small school that nobody knew about. Yeah, that's sick. So on top of volleyball, what other involvement did you have in sport um, in your earlier years? Or was that sort of that was where, it. where it was? Yeah, That was it. And like I wasn't the most coordinated individual. I'm still not the most coordinated individual. And I wasn't <laughs> the most athletic. And I'm still not the most athletic. But it was actually in year 10 uh, school placement. I was down at a physiotherapy clinic in Port Adelaide. Yep. And just during one of those days, yeah, it was 2008 or 2009, one individual i can't even remember his name that's how long ago it was and how brief it was make yourself sound old yeah holy shit it's over 10 years now um he just also happened to be opening up a gym uh and a new concept of training like in the strength conditioning realm but also using technology and that happened to be fast switch at its very very early inception there it is and i'm like okay what is this so i go suss it out it was like right around the corner from home um so i go suss it out and I fall in love with the training. It's not like it, it, like I said, I never had the most talent. I still don't have the most talent, but I knew that if I put enough effort into it, maybe I can get just that little bit better at volleyball and those hours and hours of preparation, dedication, I just became regimented in terms of trying to get myself better and not necessarily a sport that developed another passion, but at the actual preparation and the training towards I can outwork the competition. Yeah, I might not have the best skill set behind me, but if I can outwork the next guy, I know that I can make it to the next level. And if I can't, I'm still going to try. And who cares? So really from that love of sport and love of volleyball, trying to get better at it, I actually developed more of a love for the gym and the physical preparation side of things. Yeah. So that's really interesting because a lot of people, when they first go into the gym, it's normally for aesthetics, let's be real. Yep. Um, so it's really Everyone cool. wants to repress their crush in high school, of and course. It's fair, fair enough, but <laughs> it's really interesting that your first sort of step into that gym environment was that performance side of it. And yep. um, I guess you've carried that on ever since. I think I've run through waves. Like yep. I said, the first experience that I had with it was that. And then the following year for placement, actually, I did it at a gym, which was essentially a bodybuilding gym. And I still love that, but... I like the preparation side of things, like I said, more than anything. doesn't matter if it was towards sport. doesn't matter if it was towards aesthetics. I love the regimented necessity to prepare to get yourself in prime condition to either look the best or play the best. And I started to research that and I started to experiment with myself as well in terms of how can I get the most out of my performance? How can I look the best? How can I just honestly take that next step to whatever goal it may be? Yeah. And just on that, the research, so when you were doing research, it's not quite like it is now where you've got a lot of Instagram models or um, YouTubers giving the information. What was the sort of key takeaways for you on how to get information and the best information back like, then? Okay, Instagram wasn't a thing when I was studying. You know right? That's yeah. horrible. Man, I am old. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was very fortunate enough to start at Fast Switch and had a, a lot of knowledgeable, knowledgeable coaches around me. Yeah. So... Sprint technique and jumping was the first thing I learned before I even learned what a barbell was. After sprinting and jumping, it happened to be uh, Olympic lifts. 
and uh, powerlifts as well. I was surrounded by a lot of good coaches that honestly, that's where I took majority information yeah. from. There was a, a little bit of stuff on the internet. Like I think Joe DeFranco was the first SNC coach that I followed heavily and I still follow his stuff to this day, but it was do the simple things right. Sprint, jump, lift heavy and lift appropriately and lift fast. So I was actually just surrounded by the right people and that's where I always tell people get experience in different gyms, get experience with other coaches because they're going to know stuff that you don't know and pretty much, I'm going to sound up myself here, but I think the first year of uni, I was ahead of everyone else because I'd already had that two, three years behind me around good coaches training me, telling me this is how you actually do stuff. So going into first year of uni, I'm like, bring it on. Let's, Let's get ourselves in the gym. Yeah. So carrying on from that, uh, what was your first step from athlete training in these gyms to working towards being a coach? Because obviously now you work as yep. a coach. So what was that first step in that transition like? You know when you sometimes things just fall into your hands? Yeah. Yep. Uh, would have been second year of uni, I think, with some with something behind me. And it was a conversation literally in the kitchen at Fast Switch with one of the owners. And I... I could tell they were relatively busy and they knew that I was studying at the time. We are just in the kitchen having a conversation. I'm like, hey, if you guys ever need any help, just uh, let us know, shout out. I'm more than happy just to shadow a few hours or do something just to help you guys out because I can tell that you're busy as hell. I think about four hours later, I was on the floor shadowing them as they were training. One conversation led to that. Yeah. It was never a full-on application process where I was uh, like sitting down, had a resume behind me. This is why I want to work here. They'd just literally seen me there for about a year and a half, training my ass off. They knew that I was studying. They knew that I loved to spend excessive amounts of time, three, four hours in the gym. Why? Who cares? I wanted to try to be better. But they could see that I actually had that passion behind myself, I think. And they're like, why not give this guy a shot? Hey, if it doesn't work out, no loss on our part. But if it does, who knows what he might become. That's it. And the big big part of that is just putting yourself out there and taking a chance. Yep. Uh, and a lot of time people are too scared to do that. So I have never successfully applied for a job with a resume. It's only become through word of mouth ma- uh, word of mouth or speaking to people in person. I've applied for a job twice with a resume, but both times I got rejected. So I threw away my resume. I don't have a resume now and I don't think well maybe I'll have one one day, but I literally have never successfully applied for a job. That wasn't in person. I think I'm in the exact same boat with that. So I know yep. exactly where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, so after working as a coach, how long did you work as a coach for at Fast Twitch? It would have been until my final year of uni in 2015, mid-2015. Yeah. And I thought just... Is that three, three years? About two and a half. Yeah. Two and a half. So as I think it was in the middle, just before I was actually starting placement uh, for exercise physiology... I decided, you know what, maybe it's time to part ways and I want to see what I can do with myself. So I contacted one of the former guys that worked there. He had opened up his own place as well. I'm like, can I contract for a few hours out of there per week? I've got study going on. I've got placement going on. But if I can help out in any way, shape or form and also learn a little bit for myself and get a little bit of experience coaching, uh, hit me up. And that ended up actually being very successful in terms of he let me in there, let me use the space and... I think I was there for probably just over a year and a half or so. Yeah, cool. And so that year, you've spent two and a half years at Fast Twitch, year and a half um, working, what was this guy's name? Uh, ben. Ben, yeah, working for Ben. What was your step into building AAC? When did you first think that that's what you wanted to do? Do okay. you know now that that's what you want to do? 
Uh, I would say no. I didn't know that when I first stepped out of Fast Switch. Yeah. I think I was a little bit lost after uni. So after six yeah. months of placement, I'd left, uh, I finished uni, had my exercise physiology degree, and I'd say about February, March, I was probably doing about one hour worth of coaching a week. And that was with a mate just because I probably felt sorry for me. <laughs> um, it, it's tough going out there and contracting for yourself the first time in a relatively small gym, not really having any marketing experience, not really having anything behind you. You're like, fish out of water. You don't know what to do with yourself. And the only thing that was earning me income at the time was doing deliveries for my cousin's bakery. That was literally how I was making ends meet. And I'm like, I still have this dream. I don't know exactly how it's going to happen, but hopefully it happens. And funnily enough, gym, uh, uh, Anytime Fitness in Walkerville ended up opening up at the end of my uni tenure and it was just across the road from my house. And they opened up late 2015 and I started going there, started training, became really, really good friends with the owner. And then in March, I went to Hawaii yeah. While I was there, one of the guys that I used to train and that was actually uh, went to uni with me in the early days said, hey, by the way, there's a job opportunity for the rehab coordinator at Norwood Football Club. I'm like, you know, well, that proves you go on holiday, you get a job straight away. <laughs> so anyone, go travel and you'll probably Sick get a job. Piece of advice. It comes down to make sure that you leave good experience with people, no matter how little uh, you interact with them, make sure you leave good experiences. I yeah. literally trained him a couple of times back at Fast Twitch and I'd known him through uni, but I just maintained a good relationship. Just had that rapport with him. Yep. Yep. So yep. once he heard that there was a job opportunity there, he's like, hey, if you want to slot in, go for it. I'm like, yeah, I've got nothing going on at the moment. I'll happily take it. Came back, that was successful. And then it just happened to, once again, be a little bit lucky that I was at any time fitness walkville training at the time, and the owner knew that owner and manager knew that I'd been studying, I'd finished studying exercise physiology, and they needed a little bit of help behind the desk. I never really wanted to go into the, I guess, admin or sales side of yeah. things, but I'm like, hey, why not? I need money and I need to be in this environment too. So I'm like, yep, let's go for it. And I ended up scoring two jobs in the space of a month after for three months being in no man's land, essentially. Jeez, yeah. Yep. Rehab coordination uh, role at Nord, fantastic, just because the fact that I got to meet so many good people. And once again, you integrate yourself into the system. And some of the people that I met through that experience, I still train to this day. I'll still keep in contact to with this day. Yeah. The anytime, oh, the, sorry, the position that I held at Ben's gym, um, I still stayed there for about a year or so throughout that time doing the like, uh, every now and then doing sessions with a few of my more athletic clients because I couldn't do it out of a commercial-based gym. Yeah. And then I started to just rack up hours at any time. And I guess that just gave you your foundation to continue building and gaining experience and knowledge. That, I was part of the industry and finally I could stop doing deliveries in the morning. I could actually start to say, yep, all right, I can legitimately have a job in the fit, uh, health and fitness industry. Is it what I dreamed of when I first started at Fast Twitch? Absolutely not, but I'm here. Yeah. Let's start molding stuff together. That's the stepping stone you probably needed. Well, it's worked out Absolutely. so far. So. Well, it was November that year. What was it November that year? No, it was November the following year. So it was about a year and a half past that. Me and uh, Stefan, my cousin, we were doing deliveries one day together in the background. We were like, hey, this anytime fitness thing like where you're working at, they're doing all right. Like in terms of they're making money and it's like a pretty, I'll say simple, like there's heaps of systems behind it, but it looks like it's a pretty fluent like thing yeah. that happens. I reckon we can, well, you know, set up something like that very, very similar. So 
the next week we're in Sydney looking at gym equipment. <laughs> uh, we're like, we didn't have a name in mind uh, yet. We're just like, all right, let's have a look at a few equipment supplies. We went through a few and in Sydney, Rogue was definitely the creme de la creme when it came down to picking out equipment. So that was a tick in the box there. Uh, before that time, also happened that a few of the trainers at any time fitness walkerville had left so it kind of put me in a position where i had to start training people at the request of the manager and i was happy to take that on board um and i started to develop a little bit of clientele base there so I definitely established myself really well there in nord i actually gone up to the head snc role as well and now it's all right what's the next step i'm happy with where i'm at in nord i'm happy with what i'm doing at any time but i kind of feel like i've hit not necessarily a ceiling, but it's now I've established myself. You I want to do what I really want to do. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think I've got a habit of every time that I get into a comfortable position, both financially and in terms of like a good work, like workflow, if you will, I'm like, all right, what's, what can I do next to screw myself over? Or how do I take that next? Nah, yeah. I, I love, and I wanted to take that next challenge. And like I said, we were there and we sussed out equipment. We started seeking out places and it didn't happen overnight. Anyone that's ever opened up to brick and mortar or any kind of business knows that there's a lot of steps that goes through it. And we ended up finding a location that was actually just really, really convenient next to the bakery. So it wasn't too far away from his work and it wasn't too bad for me. The one contingency that I had though is, oh, so not me. The one contingency that my owner uh, at Anytime Fitness Walkerville had, make sure that the gym is as far away as possible from any time fitness walk to make sure that you're not competing or anything like that. Yeah. And I said, 100%, because he was still going to let me work there. It was actually a very nervous conversation where I'm like, this guy's going to fire me on the spot if I tell him what's yeah. going on. Ended up telling him and he ended up saying, fire up, good on you. Yeah. Take that next step in your career. And I think that's a mentality that m- most people should have. Some, most do have, but a lot, kind of feel if that others have success, they kind of have success as well. Yeah. Whereas he pretty much told me, yeah, you can be happy for other people's success and still be successful yourself. Yeah, which is awesome to hear because yep. you're never sure how those hard conversations are going to go. Of course so not. when it goes, best case scenario, really, yep. um, can't ask for much more. So, um, so on top of starting AAC, obviously absolutely awesome now. How hard was it when you first opened? Because I imagine it would have been tough at first. We completely, over the course of about 18 months, we completely changed what AAC was meant to be. AAC was meant to be, as bad as it sounds, it was meant to be to make money. Yeah. We're like, we're going to open up a gym. The fact that it's called Australian Athletics, and honestly, we had like about five names written down, and it was the best out of a bad bunch, and we're like, screw it, let's go with that. And we're like, we're going to get people contracting out of there. It's not going to take too much time up on our hands. We're going to make money. It's going to relatively flow itself. You do that for about 11, 12 months. And first of all, it wasn't really doing much. I was fortunate enough to run into Victor and a few other great coaches that were contracting out there doing very, very well. But I got to about the 12 month mark and I'm like, all right, this really isn't going anywhere. And more importantly, didn't love what I was doing. Like it's, all right, you're trying to make money from the industry that you know and love. What's the point? Like, cool. If you made money, fantastic. Do you feel any better about yourself? Not really. Yeah. Like money is a big part of any business, any successful business, but I really wasn't enjoying what I was doing. And, and this is about 2018? End of 2018. Yeah, yeah. Then like I was a little bit, I'm like, all right, so how do we change things up a little bit more? Like I need to commit more time there because I was still technically part-time here. I wasn't really like that I was committed full-time. I was still working anytime. I was still working at Norwood, but I really hadn't fallen in love with AAC. 
I'm like, how do we change this model? What is actually missing about AAC that we can change? And you look at it, the gyms around here, there's probably about 10 gyms within a kilometer of AAC. You've got your 24 seven gyms, you've got your group training gyms, which all do fantastic. There's not that personalized one-on-one service that is their dedication. And that's where we felt like there was maybe a gap in the market. So we started focusing heavier on that and doing it alone was taking its toll at first. But then I had the, not me, but I heard the crazy idea by one of the owners of PhysioFit, Andrew Zachariah, who was presenting at a uni uh, exercise physiology workshop. Yeah. And he pretty much just in that presentation said, how do you build loyalty among staff? You hire them full time. You show a little bit of backing behind them, but I think it was very, very rare niche in um, the health and fitness industry, especially the S&C industry to go open a gym. Yeah, it it still is. And he's like, all right, hire someone full time, show that you actually can back them in and you never know what they might do for you. You might uh, like, they'll build that loyalty around you. So I'm like, shit, sounds like a crazy idea, but let's try. And I think that's a big step. A lot of people would be too scared to commit to others, but knowing what you've what you've done for me as well, you're the sort of person that you prefer to put faith in others and help build them up than just focus on yourself as well. So it was probably a good piece of advice you received at that time. I, as bad as it sounds, I don't care like if I have to risk stuff myself. I want to put confidence in other people to be able to grow. And I knew that if we're high summer full-time, we're losing money from the very get-go because we might have some clientele for them, but we're going to have to build them up. So whether that's going to take a month, two, three, maybe it's never going to pay off. But at the same time, put it out there. Let's see who applies. We ended up getting about 50 applicants, I'll say, for that first job. And I don't know why we put an alphabetical order from first name, but Adam happened to be the first person that popped up. (laughs) And I think I was running late to the interview and I think you'd already become best friends with Stefan at that point <laughs> before yeah. I even entered the interview. And honestly, he just cleaned up. He yeah. showed how much passion he had behind him. He showed the experience that he had in America. And he was just, yeah, he was the man for the role. I didn't know how it would go. And probably for the first month or two, we we're like, shit, how's this going to go down? And then it actually started to pay off where he was doing more than enough to pay off a wage. And then secondly, show there is room for more growth after this as well. You look at it nine months later, we've got Jazz on board, we've got Reese on board, and then another two months after that, it was kind of like pushed, but I, I left any time fitness Walkerville just because the owners did exchange hands at that time. And I'm like, if I'm not working for that guy, I don't want to work for anyone else there. Yeah. I might as well commit full time. And I'd ended my tenure at Norwood too. So in- you had essentially four full-time staff. Yeah. So I went from having about three or four different jobs, including deliveries, to in a 12 months time, you have the one job and you know one dedication towards AAC and that's it. And how did that feel? Scary as hell. Yeah. It's, there's no backup plan anymore. Well, at least with prior to, it's all right, if this fails, this is gonna work. But if that doesn't fail, this is gonna work. Yeah. And if that doesn't fail, that doesn't work. It's now, if AAC doesn't work, what have you got to fall back on? Yeah. Nothing. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, you're the sort of person that if you're put in that situation, you're going to say, I'm going to make this work. You're going to do everything you can to make it work rather than looking for excuses why not to. I told you from the very get-go, it wasn't necessarily volleyball, soccer or anything else like that that drove me to like to really enjoy sport. It was the preparation behind it and the dedication to having to follow a regimented 
oh, like process to make things better and to get the most out of yourself. I'll say ninety percent of like stuff you have to do behind the scenes with business is dull. It's just <laughs> like literally spinning wheels. Yeah. The ten percent though is fucking worth it. Like seeing people achieve things, meeting those people that you're gonna have lifelong friends with, celebrating in a damn Christmas party because you guys are just absolutely killing it and everyone's achieving their goals for that year. That's what it's about. It's those relationships that you develop and the community that you actually build up from it. I would happily give 99% of shit to have that 1%, that one good moment where it's just, all right, all that work has actually paid off. And I think anyone that's been down to the AAC can really comment on how much that's paid off and how awesome it is being part of the AAC. So props to you for that one, Mickey, or that hard work. Dude, your dedication goes into it as well. It's not possible just with me. Not many people even know that I own this place and I like that. It's because everyone else puts effort in. We've got, what, eight, nine staff now. Yeah. (laughs) There's a reason why everyone there puts in their contribution and puts in their effort behind the scenes of that. And the dynamics between the staff and even you as an owner, um, everyone's mates. Yep. It's not you're a worker, you're an owner, you're doing this, you're doing that. Everyone comes in and you're mates and you're working for each other. That's how it feels. So, Aside from knowledge, the one thing that we take on people here, such as yourself, is personality. If we can't get along with the person, there's no chance in hell that we're going to work. And I think that's why none of us have necessarily clashed. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't see that. Maybe it will happen in the future. <laughs> Who knows? I like, you can't predict the future, but... <laughs> Like having this conversation doesn't even feel like it's a podcast anymore. It feels like, look, we're just sitting down and we're talking about shit. That's pretty much what every day is like. Yeah. Whether or not we're learning, recording a podcast, doing whatever, it's literally just having a conversation with mates. Yeah, and how good is it? It beats the hell out of having to report to someone every single day or having to be by the hour, by the books, whatever it may be. It's a very much more relaxed atmosphere, I believe. it's sick. I've never worked a nine to five, but I can't imagine myself ever going to it either. No need to. And to finish off, before we get into some quick fire questions, what's some future goals? Make me personal or professional. So I don't know, you might want to run 100Ks or... If I can run 10Ks, I think I'll be happy. (laughs) Um, Putting on the spot here. Well, I want to play footy next year. Want to play footy? Footy. I've done two trainings so far. Where at? Hamley Bridge. So I'm going a fair way north. I think if I go as far away as possible from the, <laughs> the CBD, hopefully not too many people will see me play. Look, I've had two trainings so far and I've been rusty as hell. Yeah. But I want to try to play footy next year. I've never played a contact sport and footy is by far, probably as far away from what I'm used to as possible. Yeah. But I want to give it a crack. That's Why sick. not? I yeah. just had the idea a few months ago and a few of the guys here play out there. Man, I'm going to be rusty, but if I can put together something, I'll be very happy. How's preseason? I hate running, man. <laughs> I think we did like five 200 meter efforts uh, in one of the final trainings and I was gassed. That was it. Done. Put me in the gym, but don't put me in uh, <laughs> running around an oval. That's sick. So big 2022 season? We'll find out. <laughs> late, late draft pick? Late draft pick, absolutely not. Yeah. Mature, right? You're not going to see me in the... Well, you know, you're not going to see me in B or A grade anytime soon, let alone SNFL or AFL. No, you heard it here first. <laughs> um, and any other personal goals outside of sport? That I keep to myself. You know that I yeah, keep them. Honestly, I don't even know. No. Uh, that's the number one. And it's a hard, then, hard question when you're on the grind sometimes because you're just chipping away at things. There's no, you don't look too far ahead. You look at the things that's already happened this year and you're like, all right, I've moved into my own house for the first time. We've moved into this new place here for AAC just before the start of 2021. And I'm just going to start playing footy at the age of 28. Yeah. Probably a few other things in my life that I want to get going, but at the same time, I'm not in a rush. I've enjoyed the process so far, so let's keep it going. Love that. 
All right, quick fire questions. These have go. to be straight off the bat. I did ask a couple of the boys for one or two oh, of these. No. So um, let's start off pretty straightforward. <laughs> a skill you are secretly proud of? Being able to consume stupid amounts of food. Yeah, like that. Favorite artist, music? Uh, Pressure. God damn. Let's go with Drake. Drake. Most overrated artist? Craig David. Ooh. Favorite sporting team? Oh, menu. Favorite meal? Burger. What sort of burger? Oh. Specifics, talking through it. If I say Ferg Burger in New Zealand, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. Anything from their menu. And why don't you eat in front of people? I think people are scared to see how much I can consume. (laughs) They might (laughs) think I have a problem. (laughs) Don't want to intimidate them. Yeah, Yeah, love that. Sweet. Well, cheers for the uh, podcast, Mickey. Congratulations on everything you've done. Um, You've really built something special here, and as one of the coaches here, I'm really proud to be part of it. So. Thank you for everything you've done for us and cheers for the interview. Anytime, man. Thanks, guys, for listening. Hopefully, I didn't bore you out too much. Have a good Christmas and holiday period and we shall see you in the new year. See you later, guys.